So Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the NIV. Fortunately, that little extra time gave you time to turn to your Bible. Okay. So... It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obliged to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut, you, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is drawing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they will go the whole way and emasculate themselves. This is the reading of God's word. (laughs) Amen. That is refreshing. Appreciate that, Richard. Well, we're going to be talking about freedom today as we continue in our journey through this New Testament letter, this ancient letter, Galatians. And as I was thinking of freedom, uh, you can go ahead and put my uh, slides on there. So I'm thinking about freedom. The Capitol building in Washington, D.C. came to mind. Uh, how many of us here have actually been inside the Capitol building? A few of us? Okay, yeah. I, uh, May and I went to D.C. once, and we saw it from the outside, but we didn't go inside. But uh, the cornerstone of the Capitol building was laid in 1793. And then the, if you look at the top of the rotunda, there is this statue called the Freedom Lady. She stands 20 feet tall. Oops. And uh, she, I mean, that's a pretty tall lady. <laughs> she was here 20 feet. That's bigger than any NBA player, <laughs> quite, at least twice as <laughs> big. And she has stars and stripes on a shield she carries in her left hand and, and stars that are surrounding her face. You can't really see it on this picture. But the Freedom Land Lady is the like, symbol of our country's freedom on which we stand and which the, the Constitution of the United States was written on, this freedom that we hold so dear of each American that lives in this country. And For example, the First Amendment 
to the Constitution states the following. I quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So together, these five guaranteed freedoms just in this amendment makes us some of the most free people in the whole world. If you look at what's going on around the world, we have these freedoms protected by the Constitution. Now, freedom is very important to us as Americans. And we can see this. I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I saw this license plate. Okay, it's not working now. I saw the license plate um, there from New Hampshire, live free or die. Uh, that's how we really like our freedom. By the way, New Hampshire doesn't have any state sales tax. <laughs> so I lived close to Massachusetts, so we'd always go shop there and buy all our stuff and then come back to Massachusetts so we wouldn't have to pay any sales tax. It was pretty sweet. Well, today our text begins with, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is in our verse 1 of chapter 5. What does the Apostle Paul mean by freedom when he is stating this here? Well, often we think of freedom as being able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, and wherever we want, right? There's just no boundaries to us. We just do what we want. But is that real freedom? Um, that's why some of us aspire to be wealthy, right? Because the more wealth we have, that kind of gives us more freedom to do and make decisions and choices of what we can do. Freedom is defined in Webster's Dictionary as the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, there's the wealth issue, coercion or constraint in choice or action, liberation from slavery or restraint uh, or from the power of another. Now, none of us are here under confinement, I don't think, or enslaved or restrained physically because otherwise you probably wouldn't be here. That's, uh, those of you online, I don't know about that. That doesn't necessarily apply to you, but hopefully you're free as well if you're watching this. But as the letter of Galatians has revealed up to this point that we could be enslaved and confined if we have this thinking that what we do in life earns us favor or benefit with the Lord God in some way. If we live with that thinking, then we are really enslaved. We are confined, and that is what Christ is trying to set us free from, or has set us free from. He's not trying, he already did it. Now, the evidence of this confinement and this way of thinking, this slavery, is the burdens that we bear in our hearts. So does our hearts bear burdens? Yes, we often are burdened in our hearts in different ways. Or maybe we can look at it from another angle. When our, our hearts and our minds totally free of any burdens. Can you think of it? When are you, would you feel free from any kind of burden at all? Or when are our release burden that we're so carefree, like, woohoo, you know, something like this. You just feel like you just let loose. There's no burdens at all in your mind and your heart. Could it be maybe when we finish a final, our, our last final in school, or we just finished and we're going to graduate. We're totally like, yeah, school's done, no more homework, 
No more tests, no more exams, no more projects. That might be a time where we feel pretty carefree. Or maybe it's when we finish a big, huge project at work that we've been working really long hours on and we're done. And we just feel so relieved and carefree until the next project comes, of course. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's during the first few days of vacation that we planned, and we're just on the first few days, you know, we don't have work for a week or maybe two weeks from now, and we're just really carefree those, those first few days. We all know when we get toward the end of vacation, we start ramping up again for work, so we're not so carefree anymore. Yeah, what, whatever it is, our stress is gone, our, our burdens seem to be lifted. We don't have these heavy stress of whatever it is in our hearts and our minds. There are moments we experience when it seems that the burden that we have been carrying is gone. But then it begs the question, then, what does burden our hearts? What does enslave us where we then are not free in Christ, but we are bearing this heavy burden? And we'll deal with this in a little bit. Now, Galatians, uh, up to this point, we're in chapter 5, we just started. It can be split up into three different sections. The first section is like an autobiography of Paul. That's chapters 1 and 2, where he kind of is writing about his uh, spiritual autobiography of how he is an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ and why he's qualified to be so like that. And then the second section is this theology section where he goes into where he talks about the gospel in terms of justification being justified by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith, or in Christ alone, by faith alone. I've got it mixed up, but it's basically the three things there. Those, that's the theology that we've been hitting again and again in chapters 3 and 4. And now we're into the last section, which often Paul does his letters this way, which is actually the most important section from Paul's point of view, the most interesting it seems, because he takes theology that he's presented and he makes it practical in the sense of it's called practical theology or what we call application. How does this, this worldview apply to us in our daily lives? And that's chapters 5 and 6. And so he starts, like we saw, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Or in other words, for freedom Christ has freed us. And this sentence here is interesting because there's two words both the noun and the verb in this sentence are the word freedom. And freedom both is the means and the end of the Christian life, of what it means to follow Christ. The verb tense in the original Greek for the verb that is translated here, has set us free, is this, this action that has been done in the past. It's a single action that's done and it's completed. So that means he has set us free. Right now, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been set free in Christ. That is the truth. And as Jesus said in another place, the truth, what? Sets you free. That's right. So there's this whole issue of the gospel that freedom is what Christ has come to give us in himself. He has set us free, and that's pointing back to the cross and also to the resurrection of Christ. And so that's done. Christ has set us free. And when we trust in and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have been set free in Christ, period. That's the truth. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But Paul does not leave it at that. That's the truth there he's stated. 
But he goes on with two commands that warn us that this freedom that we have in Christ can be lost. We are following Christ. He has set us free. That's the truth. But then we enslave ourselves again with things of this world. And so he he gives us two commands to keep this freedom. We must, the first one, you can see right there, and I'll highlight it, stand firm. That's the first command. And then secondly, we are not to let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now remember that Paul is applying the truth that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that you and I have been justified. That means to be declared innocent. That means we are no longer going to be punished by the Lord God Almighty because of what we have done. Punishment is gone. It's been taken care of. Now, the stand firm is essentially a military word, right? And we do have a military, a couple of military guys in here. Uh, and with, if your commander says stand firm, right, that means multiple things in the military sense. It, it carries this idea of being alert, being strong, also resisting attack, and even more importantly, sticking together, watching each other's backs. You know, your, your buddy's life is in your hands and your life is in his hands. And so there's that issue there, standing firm. In short, despite the fact that we have already been saved in Christ, then we are to continually be diligent about continuing to be standing firm in this truth, in this grace that God has given you and me through faith in Christ. And so we are to be diligent in it and to rejoice in it and to live in one accord in this truth, in this freedom we have in Christ. And then we cannot, I mean, we can never lose our salvation because it's what Christ has given us. Nobody can take it away from us. But we can lose this freedom we have in Christ. Then we allow things of this world to enslave us again in our minds and our hearts. And so we live like we're enslaved. For example, when we're really stressed out about whatever it is, um, you and I experience this loss of freedom. Our hearts are no longer free. Something is enslaving us. And it's basically, when it comes down to it, we tear it all down, it's a fear. A fear that we have about something, whatever it may be, a fear of failure, a fear of punishment, a fear of not being good enough, a fear of embarrassment or rejection of people, uh, a fear of maybe bringing shame on our families. Whatever it is that grips our hearts, this enslaves us because we can no longer be free. We are gripped, enslaved, confined by our fears. And when we're enslaved to these fears, they chain our hearts, they depress us, they discourage us. And bring us down. We all know what this feels like because we all experience this at some point. So whatever we fear, it enslaves us. And we have lost our freedom in Christ because we are not standing firm then on this truth that in Christ alone, by faith alone, we are saved. We're we're set free. And we're no longer going to receive punishment because he took the punishment for us for everything we have done. Listen listen, uh, to what... Paul is saying to the Galatians, because the Galatians were struggling with this. They were living under what the Old Testament law. They had 
been freed from the law of the Old Testament, in that sense, by living by it, and yet then they were taking it on themselves because of this circumcision group that we've been talking about in past weeks have come in and said, no, 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 you've got to do this, this, and this, and this in order to be truly saved and free in Christ Jesus. Listen to what verses 2 through 4 Paul says there. He says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And again, I declare, I should have Richard come back up here and read this, shouldn't I? (laughs) Then again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. I like that. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Circumcision was required by the Old Testament law of all Jewish males, or those who proclaimed to follow the Lord God of the Jews. And Paul argued here that if the Galatians were circumcised, thinking that that would gain favor before God in some way, then they had fallen from the grace of Christ. Yeah, and they were obligated to obey the whole law. And which nobody could do because we learned earlier in Galatians that the law was only provided to point to how sinful we are. <laughs> so, you know, if they're going to follow the whole law, that's basically them saying they're taking on something that's impossible to do and be successful at. But imagine, it, let me show how foolish this thinking is for us. Imagine you're a motorist or a motorist is driving through the city and she um, inadvertently or maybe on purpose drives through a red light. And so she's pulled over by a policeman who asks for her driver's license. And so immediately the driver, uh, she begins to defend herself. And she says something like, Officer, I know I ran the red light, but I've never um, cheated on my taxes. I've never committed adultery. I never stole anything or robbed anybody. And the policeman's there writing the ticket and smiles. And, and he finishes the ticket because he knows that no amount of obedience... Uh, excuses one act of disobedience. It doesn't. It's one law. And the same law that protects the obedient punishes the disobedient. And so that's how the law works. And so to boast about keeping part of the law successfully while disobeying part of the law, you're still going to, basically you're admitting your need for punishment, that you, you deserve the punishment you're getting. It doesn't matter how much obedience we've done we still deserve punishment for our disobedience. And we stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given us when we understand that Jesus took our punishment for us and all our wrongdoings that we've ever done and of amazing things that we ever will do. He took it all on himself. So we are free from the punishment that we deserve. We hear this a lot, but do we accept this? We always feel like we need to be punished a little bit for what we've done wrong. But that's forsaking the grace of Christ. You know, fear of punishment is gone. It should be gone when we're free in Christ. And that frees our hearts so much. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in his letter. He said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, when we understand the love of God and how, it, how he sent Jesus to take on our punishment and how we are now free from any punishment, we are, that should free our hearts and our souls 
in so many ways. And Jesus pointed to this when he said in Matthew 11, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's speaking to this freedom that Christ brings us. Um, As followers of Jesus, we often live like we're still enslaved to sin or we're enslaved to this thinking that we have to do better or achieve better or perform better or whatever it is. You know, oh, I forgot my devo- do my devotions this morning. I'm a bad Christian, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Uh, this is that thinking. We live as if our yokes are truly heavy, but not light, as Jesus has said. You take on my yoke. It's light. It's easy. You know, it's if Jesus' yoke is light, then and if we are to truly experience our freedom in him by, through faith, then why is it at times that we are still heavy burdened? Why? What burdens our hearts? What is sapping and stealing that freedom from you and me? It is simply because we're not focusing on the right thing. We're not focusing on Christ Jesus who set us free. We are focusing on, oh, I shouldn't do this anymore. I shouldn't do that anymore. I shouldn't, you know, whatever it is, and it's, it's burdening us more and more. Let me use this example. You probably wondered what this was for. Um, here's, here's the container. It's empty. It's filled with air, right? It's just, yeah, it's filled with air. How do I get the air out of this cup, this glass? How can I get it out? Well, I could get some machine and try to suck the air out, so it would create a vacuum in there, and I could keep sucking more and more until the pressure from the outside crushed the glass if I kept doing that. Or, and that's the wrong way of thinking, if using the analogy, or it's much... Another effective way is just to fill it whoops, with water. Oops. <laughs> and now it has no more air in there. It's just got water. Fill it up with something else. And we can try to, on our own efforts, to deal with our sins and try to not sin more. I got to try harder and be a better Christian. I got to do my devotions regularly. You know, if I use you version, and we're, some of us are doing the Bible reading schedule, I am always tempted to see like the streaks, like, oh, you did five days in a row. You know, <laughs> and if you get up there, you start thinking like, wow. I'm <clears throat> pretty good Christian. I did my devotions like 20 days in a row now. I didn't miss one. And then you miss one, you're like, oh, man, I can start all over again. You know, that kind of thinking is trying to suck the air out of the glass. You know, instead, Christ has said, trust in me, and I will instill you with my spirit. I will fill you with my spirit, and my spirit then will internally motivate you and set you free to follow me. It's not by your own effort, because your own effort is just going to lead back to enslavement. Freedom in the Christian life is not about sucking the sins out of our life. It is about being filled with His Spirit and living accordingly. And we will learn more about this in the letter of Galatians, because it talks about the fruit of the Spirit later in this chapter, and being filled with the fruit of the Spirit then frees us And the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit because those are good things. Those are good things that we don't get punished for that. So when we stand firm in the freedom Christ has given us, we are truly set free. 
And don't you really want to be carefree like we saw that pictures of just jumping up for joy? I mean, when we go to work, who cares how stressed work is or whatever? If, if we can walk firmly in Christ, it will be like Teflon. It won't stick. <laughs> I wish I could be like that. I tell you, church work sometimes really stresses me out. You know? And it's doing work for the Lord God. I don't know if it ever happens to you, Nathan. And he's also a full-time minister on campus. And yeah, we're serving Jesus. And here we are all stressed out and slaved by something going on. You know, it's like, I'm not free in Christ when I'm serving Christ. What is going on there? And then the second command in verse 1, we see, is do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, the image here is a yoke is a piece of a farm equipment that are put on oxen uh, to harness them together to do the work. It looks like something like this. And it's pretty heavy, it's burdensome, but it's used to direct and guide them where to go. So the imagery is great when Jesus says, you know, take my yoke on yourself, but it's, my burden is light, and the work is easy in that sense, because actually his spirit is doing the work through us. The yoke of slavery Paul meant here is living like our performance, our actions, our good deeds will earn us some kind of benefit with God. In a sense, like we do this for you, God, and to get something back from you, God, right? I do this for you so that, yeah, you give me something back. It's like this even exchange here. And when we live like this, we are still enslaved by all kinds of things in our hearts and minds. Other people can negatively influence us um, by the way they look at us. And just look at what the Galatians dealt with. Paul wrote in Galatians 5, 7, and 8, right? We heard Richard read this part really good. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? It's like, who cut in on you and got you off course? You're not even running the race in the right direction anymore. What kind of persuasion, or that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? And this happens way too often for you and me. We let others determine what is important and what is not important, rather than the Word of God, rather than standing firm on the truth that we know in Jesus Christ. For example, there was a missionary family who went to the field uh, overseas and was literally forced off the mission field over peanut butter. Can you believe that? Here's how, what happened. They were sent to this location where peanut butter was not available. And their kids, they had children, they loved peanut butter. Their mom and dad did too. So they just, you know, whenever they got a chance, they talked to their friends and family at home, and whenever they could arrange it, they sent them some peanut butter to have. It's just nice. We've done that for missionaries through the church here. They have things that are just hard to get. So no big deal, right? Well, the problem was that the other missionaries that were there considered it a mark of spirituality to not have peanut butter. You know, as their sacrifice to not eat peanut butter while they are in this part of the world. Well, the newer missionary family just considered this a difference of opinion. So it was just like, okay, you don't want peanut butter? We're going to have peanut butter. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not like they ate it and said, hey, we have peanut butter, you don't, you know, that kind of thing. No, they just, you know, ate peanut butter at the home and they had, each had kids and so the other kids told their parents they were eating peanut butter that day and, you know, all that stuff. Whatever happened, right? Well, the newer missionary family, while they had a different opinion, but they felt this growing pressure and tension from the other families surrounding this, quote, 
opinion they had that was different. And it got so intense that they then left that mission field because they just could not seem to get along with the other missionary families. So though this mission, these other missionary families probably did not intend it in this way, um, they communicated this message to this one missionary family that they were more spiritual by not eating peanut butter than the other family was. And they, so therefore, they were going to get their blessings of God and this other family shouldn't get it. So it's this mindset again, right? You know, this is what we do and so God's going to give us blessing because we're not eating peanut butter and you're eating peanut butter so you're, you're not going to get the blessings of God. You're not as your subclass Christians or something like that. It is Christ who has made us free from the bondage of the law, meaning we've got to do these things in order for God to bless us. No, it doesn't work that way. He has blessed us in Christ already, and it's not anything we had done to deserve that. And so we have been set free, frees us from the curse of this law by dying for us on the cross and taking that punishment for us. So the believer in Christ is no longer under the law. She is under grace. And this does not mean that we're like outlaws now to the law. Where it's not like we forsake the law. We use it as a guide on what is right and wrong. This just simply means that you and I are no longer in need of the law to motivate us on how to act. So I grew up, I don't know about you, I grew up in church, some of you didn't, but I often heard Christians don't do this, Christians don't do that. And you don't do this, and you don't do that. Usually I heard what we don't do. Uh, I don't usually hear like, yeah, Christians do this and do that. No, it's usually you don't do that. You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, or go with girls that do. You know, that's the joke you know, there, but that's to guys at least. That's when I was really young. I mean, now it's different. <laughs> yeah, so it's all these do's and don'ts, and that's what happens when we're we use this thinking that enslaves us as we focus then on this maze of being a Christian means we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't do this, we don't do that, rather than on who we follow in Christ and who, how he gives us the freedom. But when you and I stand firm and live in the freedom of Christ, we are set free to love. And this is ultimately what Christ hopes for you and me. Paul wrote in Galatians 5, verse 6 in our text, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value, meaning what you do, right? The only thing that accounts is faith expressing itself through love. And when you and I stand firm in the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and he has set us free, then our burdens are relieved. So whenever you and I stress out this week, or are burdened by anything, whether it's school or relationships or work or the sin that we have committed and we've hurt people, go back to this truth that Christ loves you and me and is not dependent on what we did. It's dependent on what he did for us out of his love for us. We are loved, as we said, we just sang. And God is good. <laughs> the Father is good. That's the truth. And whatever you do and I do doesn't change that truth. And that sets us free. If we mess up and we sin, we are forgiven, let's go and sin no more in the power of the Spirit. That sets us free. So we don't have to worry about what others think of us. We don't have to have this anxiety about whether or not we're going to get laid off or whatever it is that causes us this stress. 
the fears no longer burden our hearts because our hearts stand firm on the truth that we are dearly loved and Christ has set us free. Imagine what you would feel like if somebody asked you to marry them, right? It doesn't matter. Guy asks a guy, uh, guy asks a girl or a girl asks a guy, okay? Somebody asks you to marry them, but then later on, you said yes, and you find out that this person only wanted to marry you because of the big inheritance you had. Well, that would feel horrible. You'd feel used, right? You'd feel like they didn't love you for who you were. They just loved you for what you had or what you could give them. Well, that, this analogy helps us understand the motivation of the gospel. When we think our work saves us, then we are serving God for what we can get out of him, what he can give us. I believe in Jesus because I'm gonna, he gives me eternal life. Well, that's the truth, and that's what originally drew me, I have to confess, when I was a child and I believed, I was like, yeah, I don't, hell or heaven, <laughs> it's a no-brainer, I'm going to go to heaven, so I'm going to get that. But as I grew in Christ, we should know who was the one who died for us and why and fall in love with the truth himself. And then the motivation of his spirit moves us not to love him for what we can, um, to serve him for what we can get out of him, but to just serve him because of who he is. And we love him. When we follow Jesus, whom we then love, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's pray. Lord God, this truth is so profound and yet so simple and yet so difficult for us to live moment to moment. We pray, Lord, that as we see each other stressed or burdened, we can encourage each other and point each other back to Christ and the future that we have in you and that this world and the struggles are only temporary, the suffering we face, is just going to be this period of time and it will eventually end. And the future that you have for us is so far beyond what we can imagine in a way that is much better. Lord, we look forward to that day. In the meanwhile, we pray that we can stand firm and, not, and no longer be enslaved to the things that grip us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.